Do you long to embody mindfulness and compassion in your parenting life? Yeah, me too. Welcome to Mindfully Parenting Atypical Kids. Let's go on this journey together. I would love to have you join on a future podcast by actually calling in and leaving a voicemail. So there's a special voice messaging feature in Anchor Podcasts. You can just click the link, you can record your voicemail, and I can answer your questions. Or I can at least share your voicemail on the podcast. And so if there's anything you would like to either ask or to share with other parents, If there's something encouraging that you'd like to have other parents hear about or a great story you wanted to tell, or again, a question that you think I might be able to answer, like I'm not a doctor and I won't talk about really invasive interventions for our kids. It's just not my thing. And I'll leave it at that. (laughs) All right. Enjoy the podcast. This is a quote. There is no cure for hot and cold. There is no cure for the facts of life. Trungpa Rinpoche. We inevitably encounter the unexpected when we create life. Of course, we can't be in control of the process. It's a lesson I've needed to be taught over and over and over to surrender. It was one of those romances where you're just sure. I was usually slow to commit, but not this time. John and his three cats moved into my little walk-up apartment a block from Prospect Park. We both wanted to be parents and actually started trying even before getting married. Like everyone else, we figured there was nothing to it. We knew the basics. We also knew that we shouldn't wait too long at our ages. So we dove in. It was fun, but nothing happened. Meanwhile, life continued. We supported each other emotionally through career ups and downs. We bought an apartment and planned a wedding at the same time. A milestone we still laugh about is the time we spent three hours in Ikea together and managed not to kill each other. We figured if we could do that, our marriage would survive anything. Little did we know, 11 years later, we would be spending months together with our nine-year-old autistic son in our small apartment trying not to kill each other. At the time, IKEA felt like a big accomplishment. We celebrated that achievement as the next obstacle unfolded before us. Our fertility journey was a longer-term challenge. Unlike overcoming the claustrophobia and overwhelm of being in a big box store without windows, we didn't know how long we would have to wait or what we would need to do to have a child. Unlike buying furniture, we had very little control over the outcome. As a long-time yoga practitioner, I was used to understanding my body and relying on it. Month after month, my body wasn't doing what I expected of it. 
We didn't know the cause of our inability to get pregnant. We were both so healthy, but on the older end of fertile. The culture of fertility treatment seems to be this. Take hope down to zero, and then the doctor will be seen as a miracle worker when or if the treatments they prescribe finally work. John and I were swept into this uncomfortable culture, and the current took me to the brink of self-loathing. I knew the stress wasn't helping, and the discomfort of sitting silently in a waiting room full of women, all going through the same thing, and not even looking at each other, not smiling, was wrong. Shame that wasn't mine enveloped me, as if I was bound by a cultural cloak demanding silence, secrecy, and disembodiment. I wanted so badly to become a parent that I was willing to suppress even my sense of self. I leaned on my yoga and meditation tools. Breath patterns helped me maintain some emotional balance so I didn't break down in front of strangers daily. Chanting reminded me that I'm never alone. I'm always in touch with the divine creative force. On my yoga mat, I was reminded that I am not broken or defective, but in a state of healing. We are all healing. We are all worthy. Continuing to teach prenatal and parent-baby yoga, while so desperately wanting to become a parent myself, felt both sad and brave. I poured my love into those families. We continued treatments and renovated our apartment. There were blood tests and ultrasounds and injections. I maintained my teaching schedule, rushing from home to the doctor to class several times a week. I tried to eat better and more. For the first time in my life, I was intentionally trying to put on weight. I ate really, really well. That was a highlight of treatment, which was otherwise so much work, isolation, and paralyzing uncertainty. It is at best a humbling process, and at worst, humiliating. I was balancing at the edge, powerless over the outcome, not knowing how it would go at all. I did my best to surrender to the unknown. This is what meditators call beginner's mind. It is the ability to drop your expectations and preconceptions about something and approach it with curiosity and wonder. It can be hard to maintain a beginner's mind day to day, especially in stressful times. Try this with me now. Beginner's mind. This is a practice that you can do anywhere, in any position. There's nothing fancy about it. When you sit, do it as if it were your first time sitting. When you walk, take each step as if it were your first. Become exquisitely curious about each mundane detail of your activities and your environment. This will slow you down considerably. That's the point. 
Have you ever taken a walk with a toddler? It takes forever because everything's interesting to them. They notice the ant crawling on the sidewalk. Not just that, they want to squat down and watch it for a while and ask lots of questions about where it's going, what it's doing, and why. They hear the airplane before it comes into view. They want to taste the bubble gum stuck on the railing. Babies and toddlers haven't prejudged anything. Their response to sensory input is visceral and completely in the moment. The same could be said of an enlightened being. I remember when my younger sister was a baby and I was pushing her in her stroller on a sunny afternoon. She had just started learning to talk and pointed at the sky. Moon, she said. I was about to correct her when I looked where her finger pointed and saw a small white sliver settling itself into the sky just above the horizon. There's a benefit to dropping your expectations you're less likely to miss the moon. You can be aware of your thoughts from a little distance, as if you're watching them play on a drive-in movie screen. This helps you realize that you are not your thoughts. You are the one watching them with curiosity. Notice how you feel after practicing beginner's mind. Thank you for joining Mindfully Parenting Atypical Kids. I really appreciate you walking alongside me. Please click the link and leave me a voicemail. Can't wait to hear from you.